this episode of the Decipher podcast, we talk to Bill Bordill. Bill heads the quantum team at the firm and has been with the business for over 11 years. He talks to Annie about the importance of developing people and ensuring the future of construction skill set, as well as some of his career highlights and the 21st birthday of Decipher. Hi, Bill. Thanks for joining us today. You're currently head of the quantum team at Decipher, which has a fantastic mix of experience in it from trainees just starting out in their careers to experienced quantum experts like yourself. What is it like to be helping those just starting out to develop those skills? And do you think we should be enthusiastic about the next generation of construction professionals? We did. We do have a mix of <clears throat> a mix of experience with ages ranging from 17 to 67. Uh, and that's not me, by the way. So we have an age span of 50 years in the business, uh, which is great. And uh, to answer the first part of your question, yes, we should be enthusiastic about younger generations. We've currently got four people in formal education, two on degree courses and two on BTECs, run degree courses now for as long as I can remember at Decipher, and I've been here quite a long time now. And um, we find that it's very, very helpful to the business because we're in control of their training and development from the start. And yes, we do lose some inevitably along the way or when they finish their training, but some do stay with us. And um, it's, it's valuable for us to do that. In fact, we have just launched this week a scholarship with Salford University. So there is the, now the Decipher Scholarship available to prospective QSs at Salford University. In addition to that, myself and Paul Gibbons, our MD, as you're, you're well aware, are also APC assessors for the RICS and uh, examiners for the Institute of Civil Engineering Surveyors. We like to bring people into the industry and support them and put them on pathways to chartership. We, we find that's very good for the business in the long term. Yeah, I think that's really important. And it's great for a, for a company of your size to be supporting so many people. Quite unusual to see that much giving back into the industry, particularly when we've got such a skill shortage. It's important to, to grow those. We made a point before about we've got people up to the age of 67. We have got a lot of experience. It's not all youngsters. We have a lot of experience in the business. And what's the point in having all that experience if you don't share it? So yeah, we, we're very keen to share the experience around yeah, and I read an article actually today or yesterday when, when I was writing up something about the scholarship that said that I think it's 35% of the industry are over 50 and only 10% are sort of under 25. So we really need to pass those skills down because we're going to lose 35% of the industry in the next 10 years, 15 years, and we won't have anyone to replace them. Absolutely. It's a, it's a scary prospect. So, you know, we, we all need to be doing something initially to encourage youngsters into the industry because there's not much happening at school. I've recently had um, my two sons leave school and go into industry and they had nothing. They heard nothing about the construction industry, um, you know, with careers advice and that sort of thing. And then those that do get lured into the industry um, need help and put on a pathway. And, and that's what that's what we're trying to do. Decipher is going to turn 21, 21 this month. You've been part of the company for a long time now. What changes have you seen both within Decipher and in the industry in that time? Yeah, it's well, it's a good question that. Um, Decipher became, uh, becomes 21 on the 8th of February 
And yes, I've been here, uh, it does seem like a long time now, uh, in some respects and in others not, but I've been here 11 years. So what have I seen as changes in the industry? Sadly, not many changes. There's been improvements, lots and lots of improvements, but it's, it's more developments of techniques. There's more apps available. It's, it tends to be things like that, as opposed to wholesale changes. There is more off-site manufacture, but there's nowhere near enough. We're still a very, a very slow to adapt industry. We're still laying bricks by hand, can you believe? You know, if you compare what we've done over the last 50 years with what's happened in somewhere like the car industry, yeah. um, we're, we're, we're still back in the dark ages. So I suppose what has changed is things like um, a much, much wider use of drones. Not sure if we had drones 11 years ago, but we've certainly got them now and, and using them. Uh, laser technology and, and laser lighting, um, lasers for levelling and that have become more prevalent over the last 10 years. Uh, but possibly the old uh, lovable Teams and Zoom is a major change over the last you know, last 11 months, maybe, um, let alone 11 years, when that's now widespread as the uh, communication tool of choice and, and, and cuts down the amount of travel, which is good for the carbon footprint of businesses. But changes that I've seen in Decipher over the last 11 years. Well, when I joined, we had one office. We had five team members. Now we've got three offices in the UK, in Manchester, uh, London and Macclesfield, uh, with a team of over 20 people. We've got a 50-50 joint venture partnership with uh, the Hewitt Decipher partnership in the Middle East with an office in Dubai. And we've got three recognised experts in the business with a few more guys at a very advanced stage of being prepared to become experts. So we as a business have moved on uh, quite dramatically, I would say, in the last 11 years. And as a business, you've got quite an impressive portfolio of work around the UK and, and on projects around the world. So what have been some of the project highlights um, and are there any projects that hold a special place or mark a significant turning point for the business? Well, that's an interesting question, um, and and I have actually got an interesting project for you, but it's a uh, it's close to my heart, and I suppose anyone who answers a question like this probably thinks of the biggest or the tallest or the shiniest building they've worked on, yeah. uh, and that that's not the case in my case. It's a building that ultimately got blown up. But um, anyway, let me let me try and answer the question uh, sequentially. So. Uh, I've noted down here a um, variety of projects. Yeah, so we worked on um, a great variety of projects. Where we, we do a lot of work on traditional housing, road, rail, commercial, airport type work. But also in that 11 years, some of the more interesting projects have been five marine projects that I worked on where we installed five new boilers on five freight liners that were currently in service. That's not the normal thing that a QS gets involved with, but we, we drew up the contracts for the, the purchase and the installation of those new boilers. In terms of where we've worked, we've worked in France, Ireland, America, South Africa, Thailand, and more recently in India and Bangladesh. But the most notable project for me was a power station in the Midlands. And this was a 30 million pound conversion from coal to biomass. And unusual for us, we were appointed right from the outset at tender stage. And we remained with the project with the commercial control 
through the tender process, the procurement, the engineering, the installation, the commissioning, and the agreement of the final account. So a real cradle to grave uh, service that we provided. In the life of the project, we experienced claims in excess of 70 million pounds, but the whole account was settled amicably without going to ADR or litigation. So commercially, I think it was a fantastic success. From an installation point of view, the contractor installed the project very well, but was faced with two major problems. And problem number one was just at the start of commissioning. So at the end, they've gone through all the design and engineering and procurement and, and installation. They've done all the tricky bits and they've started commissioning. There was a, a flash of a metallic part in one of the uh, pellet mills, which ignited the biomass. Um, that caused a small explosion, which blew off the doors in the, in the pellet mill. And uh, well, it stopped the project. Fortunately, nobody was injured, but it did stop the project. There was a delay of 12 months and before they could restart the commissioning because the, the components had to be redesigned and there was all sorts of issues. You can imagine the cost and overrun of all of that. And by the time they got to recommissioning the project, they were at the final stages where they went through six months or so of commissioning. And at the final stage where they were doing the time trials for the rerunning and restarting the power station, one of the bearings shattered in the turbine hall and the turbine shot up through the roof of the building. And the upshot of that was there was 100 firefighters on the site. Again, I believe that nobody was injured, but it was a major, major incident. And by the time we got to this stage, the power station had run out of its uh, license to operate and so just had to be mothballed. So it was decommissioned. So it was a huge involvement, a huge success commercially, but ultimately there was nothing to show for it. There was no end product, which makes it possibly the most interesting job I've been on. Sounds like it's got bad luck from the start. I think it did. It was, it was challenging all the way through, interesting all the way through. Uh, we had great fun at parts of it. It was a lot of stress at times, but um, a good one to get under your belt. The other thing that's unusual about your team is that most of the teams still regularly get involved in live project work as well as doing dispute resolution. You don't really, you don't tend to split and go, right, you do disputes now and that's it. So how do you manage balancing the two sides of the business? Can it cause conflicts and how do you deal with those problems? Well, it can cause conflicts, but conflicts come from all of the work that you do. If, if you only work on dispute resolution, there, there will be conflicts arise. So nothing particular comes out of the mix of work, but that mix of work does bring its challenges. But it's great in a way because there's three of us in the business operators experts, as, as well as the other ADR work that we do. And we believe it's very important to remain current. And by that, we mean very important to remain involved in live project work. So with the work that Paul and I do, particularly with the youngsters on the APC programme, uh, the supervision of the juniors who are still at university, and then the, an overseeing role for some of the live work does mean that we do keep current and up to date with trends and changes in the industry. So that's a very good reason for us to do it. So generally, the younger guys in the business work on the live project work under the supervision of the more experienced guys. 
And this gives a great value to, uh, benefit to clients as well, because it means that we can put an appropriate resource on each task. It's not the case that we've got one size fits all. We've got a number of different resource levels, so we can charge our services out at an appropriate rate as opposed to everything being done at the same rate. Alongside the day job, the Siphon and the team do lots of other exciting things. You know, we talked a bit about the new scholarship that we've just launched with the University of Salford, but also you were a judge at Expertise Rocks, which is the construction expert's answer to the X Factor. Um, during lockdown, some of the teams shaved their heads for charity. There's all sorts of initiatives that, that the team do. Why do you think it's important for companies like Decipher to get involved with corporate social responsibility? I think it's important for everybody to, to give back at some point. So just going through some of those things that you talked about there. Yes, I have judged at Expertise Rocks. I've done that twice now. Last time, I think Expertise Rocks raised something like about £20,000 for charity. Um, so to be invited back to be involved in that for a second time was was great. It's always good to be asked back. Yes, I was one of the people that shaved the heads for the NHS at the start of lockdown last year. Uh, so we raised £50 per shaved head within the business. Uh, and, and we've talked about the scholarship at Salford University. Um, and we've also recently given £8,500, which Paul raised through his golfing activities to the Scoliosis Association of UK. Uh, we also gave 100 Easter eggs to a food bank last year. So we do a number of things that perhaps don't get publicised and some of the things that are relevant to be publicised, we, you know, we do announce so the likes of the scholarship at Salford University will be put out in the press and no doubt on Twitter and LinkedIn in the coming weeks. But going back to you, First, the, the first part of the question is, why do we do it or do, why do we think it's important? It's because I firmly believe that you should give back if, without having an obligation to give back. So if you're able to give time or money or food or treats or clothing or even just ideas, anything to help people get through life or improve someone's life or minimise waste by sharing some excess that you've got. There's also a mercenary aspect to it as well, because it does give you a good feeling. And if you have a good feeling, you tend to be happier. Surely if you're helping someone and they get a good feeling, you're getting a good feeling for helping them. That's got to be the best win-win of all, hasn't it? We're all on a journey. And if we can help people with that journey and help ourselves as well, that for me is a good reason. Absolutely. And I often think with a lot of these things, when you do them through your company as well, it helps build team spirit. You all shave your heads or you, you, know, you come along and come to a gig together or put a band together or get involved in you know fun runs or whatever it is yeah it's, in, it's interesting you raise that point because we've never actually done it as team building events and i think that's maybe something that we should focus on in in uh, you know the coming the coming year or two a number of the guys came down to expertise rocks and we had a good night out uh, the head <laughs> shaving but we, you know, perhaps we do need to do a bit more of team building because I think, uh, I think, you know, and, 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 and there should be a money raising or, or some some good that comes out of it. And, you know, if, if, if two sides can get a benefit, then there's a good reason for doing it. Thank you for tuning into the Decipher podcast. While every effort has been made to ensure its accuracy, no reliance should be placed on the content or any opinions expressed at the time of recording. 
Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon. Everything is not